You're listening to Sidious Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations, and I'm your host, Rick Enlow. I'm on the laptop side of things, and over there under the big microphone is the president, Dave <laughs> Hillis. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, Rick. We are right here in the nerve center of the central office in Tacoma, Washington, and so a lot of times when people hear sirens in the background, we're, we're not artificially introducing the sounds of the city. No, that's right. They're that's organic, right. yeah. And we're, uh, we're involved in a whole series of podcasts now, in case you uh, missed one, they're archived on our site at leadershipfoundations.org, but we're in the sixth episode of this series where we're looking at this anniversary year, this 40th anniversary of Leadership Foundations as an organization. And of course, it parallels uh, in many ways your book, uh, City as Playground. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's an exercise in you know, remembering. And we, uh, we started off uh, this, this podcast series talking about that idea of remembrance. But yeah. uh, then we've kind of moved on and, and talked about different milestones. So uh, give me a little, uh, you know, a little review of where we're at and where we're going to move from here. Yeah. Well, I think going back to our first episode on this uh, kind of theme, Rick. I mean, the whole uh, notion of how important uh, how important remembering is for an organization, mm-hmm. uh, let alone an individual. And you know, you and I had this this great conversation about the fact that there's a particular word uh, within the liturgy, uh, anamnesis. I always get it spelled wrong, but the import of it is that. In the act of remembering something, uh, you make it present. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the the beauties of, of this particular uh, year, our 40th, is that it's given LF almost permission uh, to go back and remember, you know, some people, uh, some events, mm-hmm. uh, some decisions that we've made that really uh, did work out for the good. Uh, and in the very act of remembering it. Um, and again, this sounds a little bit mystical, but I think it makes it real um, yeah. in this present time. And so one of the things, one of the, when people have asked me about this, it's like, well, come on, is that really? I said, well, yeah, that's exactly what has happened with Sam Shoemaker. You know, in the act of, you know, remembering Sam um, and his, you know, just elegant vision uh, that Pittsburgh would someday become as known for God as it currently was for steel. Um, I've seen, you know, um, now, you know, local leadership foundations around the world Mm -hmm. um, remember that and in part them become empowered to come up with what is the equivalent of their steel, you know, in in their city. So so it actually has a real practical ramification to it. And so well, and I think we we all would get the idea of dismembering, which is to take something apart. Mm hmm. And we remember it. We put it back together again, mm-hmm. you know, and it's oftentimes that we sort of lived in a kind of a dismembered experience because we're in a particular city at a particular time and space. And when we reassemble, yeah. you know, the whole story, it does uh, cause us to understand the significance of God at work, yep. you know, through the, through the entire yep. uh, journey. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, another slice of that is, is even the word salvation. I mean, we, so often attach uh, to it, you know, things like, you know, where are you going to spend eternity um, kind of a thing. But at a much, much more fundamental level, um, what salvation always was, was to make things whole, um, mm-hmm. to do exactly what you said, to bring back together that which was never supposed to be a part in, mm-hmm. the, in the first place. So the notion of a city, you know, um, you know having salvation um, what that in a very practical way means is that, you know, um, that City Hall 
is now working in concert, you know, with the education system, mm-hmm. and that the education system has some sense of value of the religious system, mm-hmm. and that you have something like commerce that enters in and sees all of those other systems um, as a part of its bottom line moving forward. I mean, that's salvation. That's remembering. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and the the idea that uh, when God does God's work. That there are no missing parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not nothing gets left out. Yep. Yeah. Exactly well, right. as we've traced a bit through these podcasts, uh, the idea of you know the founders and and then uh, listen to the voices of uh, some that you know we we had read uh, talk to us from an interview and and uh, and then we've kind of walked a f- little further toward. Um, just the relationships and in kind of a common concept and then the the evolution of an organization mm-hmm. you know and becoming mm-hmm. organized so that you know we can uh, actually have a network and not only that but you know a, a theory of change and all mm-hmm. that but now uh, on this particular uh, episode we want to talk about um, this kind of uh, operational transition you know, into the public sector Mm -hmm. because as a faith-based group of people, I mean, you know, there's a a point at which you have to decide, um, you know, are we going to be in the salvation picture, (laughs) you know, in the whole city or, or not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's many you know angles to this, um, and I think we'll be able to kind of unpack them a bit, Rick. One of the things that I would um, preface my comments uh, with is that going back to even this notion of salvation, making things whole, and remembering you know in order to kind of bring things back together, is that I think we have a kind of what I would almost kind of describe as you know pop folk uh, uh, theology uh, that goes about putting up no trespassing signs all over the place. Um, and, and we grow up in these religious kind of realities where it becomes quite clear to you, right, as a young person that, um, you know, you don't hang out with him. Uh, you don't go over to her house. Uh, you're not allowed to. Um, and, you know, there might even be, this is not to bash any of that, there might even be some good reasons for that, but one of the net results of that uh, is that we begin to live in this kind of bifurcated, truncated world, and we, at the same time, and this is what's curious, um, go out uh, to all nations, yeah. um, <laughs> right, become salt, become light, and I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people and even organizations that sit there with what I kind of describe, and this is a Girardian phrase, but the double bind. It's like, mm-hmm. don't go to any of those places. By the way, you have to go to all those places mm-hmm. to fulfill your mission. I mean, it's just, you know, absolute yeah. train wreck. So part of what, you know, I think in Leadership Foundations we've tried to do uh, is be very thoughtful about that um, and and begin to work with the idea of, okay, if the city uh, and her becoming her becoming a playground is really the vision and to kind of almost pause there you know and not be too quick Mm -hmm. right not run past that as though it's cliche but then what is the ramification of that well you can't say with any integrity you know I'm gonna see my city become a playground and then lop off um, the government 
or not deal with uh, the secularists or, you know, heaven forbid, you know, be in some kind of relationship with a uh, Christian faith group down the street that doesn't believe in baptism the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we entered into this, Rick, through that portal. Um, and I, I always try to remind people it wasn't, you know, we want to go out and have a relationship with such and such. It's rather, here's the city at the center, um, and we want her to become this playground. Um, now, let's get serious yeah. about that. Well, and uh, you, you, there's a, so many examples of uh, really the, the communities of faith thinking that, you know, the kind of the job was to, to uh, construct boundaries and mm -hmm. fences and then just stay within them. You know, one of the, one of the, my favorite comics is dates me a, a tad, but you know, Gary Larson was a local guy in the Northwest part of the United yeah, States. Yeah. And he did this comic for years and years and he would, you know, just kind of one frame and he would, you know, uh, but he used animals a lot to tell his story. I just remember one where, uh, there were all these ducks that were sunbathing and they had a, a sign up that said, no geese. You know, and it was just like this social commentary. And I heard him talk about that particular uh, frame and how he talked about how, in his view, that was sort of like what uh, religion, you know, yeah. had, you know, yeah. kind of portrayed. And so, you know, there is that there there is that, that feeling that, um, you know, we we have labels and uh, we don't know what to do when mm -hmm. the label doesn't match the box. Mm -hmm. So as uh, uh, leadership foundations continue to mature, you know, from just a, an organism and a group of, you know, friends and, and like-minded, you know, kind of uh, people mm -hmm. of faith into an organization, mm -hmm. um, you know, take us through some of the important, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of bellwether uh, concepts and, and practices that moved us into the public sector and, and not just siloed over here, you know, as another, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, you know, parachurch deal. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I would um, alert our uh, our listeners to is the comment that Reed made, uh, you know, a few podcasts ago when he had that encounter with uh, with Sam uh, to see the city the way that Sam was describing it. Mm -hmm. And again, Reed now says, you know, I believe this is God speaking to me. But at that time, he recognized that in the factories, right, in the uh, you know, uh, city hall, um, in the churches, in all these places, um, God's people already were. Yeah. Um, and that they weren't all confined or quarantined to just the faith group. So I, I think that, again, from the very beginning, and I want to, you know, give all credit to both Sam and Reed, they instinctively kind of just sensed uh, that whatever this enterprise is, this idea of a city becoming a playground, um, it was much bigger than the way we had, you know, kind of talked about it and looked at it. And so they gave us as a result of that, you know, kind of what I would describe as certainly the courage, if not the confidence, uh, to begin to walk into uh, some, some spaces, Rick, that you know, I, I would say that historically uh, we're kind of off limits um, mm -hmm. for, you know, a, an expressed faith-based group uh, like ours. Well, and it's interesting, though, that when we, you know, take a look at, say, uh, especially the book of Acts where we've talked before about, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Paul, uh, you know, walking into Athens and then, you know, not you know, trying to find some, you know, compartment for himself, but yeah. to go to the public square, 
yep. you know, and to wait in line, you know, to, 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 to the open mic, yep. you know, and then to begin to sort of contend for, you know, why he was there and, and then finding himself with the, uh, you know, the philosophers and the Epicureans and, you know, mm-hmm. the Stoics and all the people that, you know, and, and really, I mean, he was just, he was in the mix, yeah, you completely. know, and not compromised, but, but completely enmeshed with, you know, what was happening in the city. And I think that, uh, LF, uh, has that journey, yeah. you know, in its 40 yeah. year history. And again, you know, the apostle Paul, um, whatever else he was, he was the first urban, uh, you know, missionary mm-hmm. to be sure. Um, he went into all these different cities. I mean, that was his strategy. It was the way he was going to, you know, see the world, evangelize. But as importantly, uh, each city had its own strategy. And I've always found, in particular, uh, a kind of attraction to what he did in Philippi. Because in the midst of a male-dominated, I mean, you would almost go so far as to say, you know, uh, misogynistic world. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul goes to a woman um, by the name of Lydia who is selling purple goods and finds her in prayer. And it is through Lydia um, that Philippi uh, has, has uh, you know, the gospel kind yeah. of materialized. Well, that, that is just uh, enormously liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming out of uh, conversations with Ray Bakke in particular uh, around Paul, around the way he approached cities. And I felt like the sort of, you know, handcuffs were taken off of me. Uh, And I said, wow, I can begin to think about my city, uh, you know, on the basis of who she is. Well, I extended that idea then as well to say, you know, are there other, um, you know, things like that um, where we maybe have a, a much more immense freedom uh, to do what God would have us do than, than we considered. So it was there that we began to say, okay, public sector money, because we, you know, on a very practical level, saw all kinds of money flowing into the city for a whole host of different uh, issues. And a lot of our local leaders foundations were, you know, even, you know, a part of that. Uh, and so we began to sense, you know, that we needed to jump into that space uh, apply for grants, mm-hmm. uh, begin to talk to officials who oftentimes, you know, uh, found themselves, whether it was in HHS or Department of Justice or Labor, um, you know, their burden is how do we get money out of our department onto the streets with the least amount of waste? Um, and leadership foundations, you know, increasingly became a way for them to do that. One of the tensions that we really had to, again, wrestle with, though, was and we had many in our, our network that, you know, that felt this way is, well, am I being asked to, in order to access that money or in order to be a part of that federal program, can I not be Christian anymore? Mm, right. right. And I mean, again, this notion of like, I've got to somehow become other, um, the, of course, on the side of the federal government, it was like, can we trust you, mm-hmm. um, that if we give you this money that you won't, you know, uh, proselytize, uh, disciple, I mean, do all of these Christian things. So we, we worked out that space. Um, again, there were a number of people from actually Bill Clinton uh, in his presidency and George W. Bush, who I think saw the value of the faith-based community and that they actually were trustworthy, that they weren't gonna abuse you know, the church-state reality. 
Um, we had the very good fortune of having a guy by the name of Bobby Polito, who was uh, the faith-based uh, initiatives director for HHS, who was familiar with LF, who became a kind of almost guide, you know, for us to say, you know, here's what you're going to have to do in order to play in this space. Uh, and all the while, Rick, we continued, I think, to really work hard at um, how can we be people of integrity? I mean, unapologetically, you know, people who talk about the way the faith does shape us and move us uh, to the kind of action uh, that is required, but that we will not uh, in any way, you know, violate uh, the law of the land. Yeah. So that was that was the beginnings of that. And it was uh, we had many moments where it was like, you know, do we uh, you know, take this next step? But I think now all these years later, I'm really glad we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think God has honored it. Well, and I think it's uh, wise to to even establish that vocabulary between, um, you know, the common space um, and even uh, public and private as ways to describe things versus the sacred secular mm -hmm. divide. Because I think that's where it gets strange. It, it starts to sound like um, there's some kind of compromise involved if you're operating in a particular sphere, instead of saying, no, no, look, you know, we are private citizens. I've always talked about the fact that when, even when people say, you know, separation of church and state, we get what they're saying. Yep. We're saying like, hey, we, we can't, um, you know, try to build, you know, something that's unintended with yeah, what happens require, here. Yep. But, it, you know, in a real sense, there is no separation because I am the church. I am the state. I mean, you are, mm -hmm. you know, we're, it's us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's so interesting is, you know, we try to sometimes think of, you know, we, we create this imaginary thing called a government. Um, really, it's just this funding mechanism to try to find somebody, yep. you know, who's doing some good work. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, uh, that's what I, I'm so thankful for because yeah. I don't see, I think as that line gets, um, becomes dotted instead of, you know, bold, all of a sudden we realized that all the things that both kind of maybe everyone was afraid of have not materialized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah one, of, one of my favorite um, theologians that, again, has really helped me think about this space, uh, you know, is Tillyard de Chardin, a Catholic Jesuit, uh, lived in the early part of the 20th century. But uh, one of his his quotes um, or lines is, you know, for him or her who knows how to see, nothing is profane. Hmm. And I, I've, I've often thought, you know, Rick, I think that's it. And you're right. I mean, to the point of what got obliterated in, you know, Chardin's world, is there's no such thing as, you know, you know, profane or, you know holy it's 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 all holy it's all gods i mean we yeah. even in the most conservative church you know we'll say something like you know the lord's the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof let mm -hmm. us rejoice and be glad um so that you know it's it's already there so how do you begin to operationalize that live that out um and 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 walk it through i thought you might have a theological perspective on that <laughs> that's your job but talk to me about um, a couple other big ideas from some people we may have heard of like for instance uh, this Calvin guy John Calvin uh, uh, you know what contribution did uh, his thinking make yeah he was the one for me um, I, again I should preface this by saying that um, you know as a as a practicing Catholic um, 
John is not one of the luminaries uh, within my my world, and uh, even some of the you know really pretty harsh chapters of church history and you know, Catholics and you know Calvinists yeah. and all. Um, but he was a profound thinker um, and had great insight. And um, you know the backdrop to this is that he's um, posted up in Geneva, and uh, I think has it within his both wherewithal as well as you know, kind of theological world that, that Geneva is going to become the kingdom of God on earth. Mm. Um, and a couple of months into the, uh, the experiment, he begins to realize <laughs> it's not quite the way it's going to work. Um, and so, you know, upon further reflection and all that, he came up with this, this idea that, again, for me, Rick, is, uh, is really quite profound, is that he said, you know, every city is made up of what he calls saving grace institutions and common grace institutions and again the way you know i've impacted that and you know this has been in conversation again with people like ray bach and all that is that there is a place within a city within the common square for a saving grace institution you know the synagogue Mm -hmm. um you know uh the church uh the temple um and that they they need to have the uh, both autonomy and authority um, to operate. But there are these, you know, common grace institutions that uh, Calvin talked about, things like the sewer system, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the transportation system, um, the electrical grid that we all participate in, you know, regardless of faith orientation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me with that framework, um, Rick, what, what really became, you know, helpful is to say what we have to keep our eye on is what of our activities is more a saving grace institution reality um, over and against a common grace institution reality. And don't confuse them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, preach till your heart's content. Um, but that's a saving grace functionality. That's not for the common square where we're talking about something like, you know, the rights of people in housing, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so, again, I'm sure we will have listeners will say, ah, that's a little bit too clean. But that that framework, I think, for me and for Leadership Foundations, Rick, kind of allowed us to r- walk through the front door and have some very, you know, serious conversations with, uh, you know, pretty powerful institutions that, you know, I mean, our huge mammoth realities, the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, labor, I mean, health and human services. I mean, I mean, just as a little aside, I've, I've used to know the statistic, but if the health and human services was its own country, I think it would be like the fourth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it's massive. So if you're gonna have a conversation with them, you know, about how we're going to be partners. You've got to have a way to do it well. Uh, Calvin was 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 very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. I also like this line too, Rick, that has been helpful. The uh, the Archbishop of, of Canterbury way back in the day, uh, William Temple, um, used to say about this, he says, Christianity is the most materialistic of all religions. He says, the first picture we get is of God kneeling down in the dust. Mm-hmm. And he said, because of that, he says, it's the Christian who can care about both the sewer and the soul. Mm. Um, and I, I think that framework, again, is is a way to say, you know, is this soul, you know, right. stuff, or is this 
sewer stuff and yeah. of course you know we can make a joke out of that and say oftentimes <laughs> there are they can look <laughs> they can get off confused, yeah. well and, and not only is it is it helpful in sorting out uh, you know what's happening but you know one thing i love about uh, calvin's description is both grace mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. it i mean it is it the city as a playground you know sees um you know the sewer as a, a an incredible uh you know, service. I mean, and the, the consolidation of services in a city where everyone has access to health care, everyone, you know, has transportation options. Exactly. I mean, those are all graces, and that's what I like yep. about it. And yep. uh, and I think that's, like you said, been very helpful, and it still is. And, uh, and now as we kind of turn the page on our podcast here, and literally on my notes as I turn the page, um, I wanted to uh, you know, bring up a couple other, uh, you know, um, individuals or, or some names that, mm-hmm. you know, again, have contributed toward this thinking of being engaged in, you know, in the public sector, mm-hmm. you know, with public sector mm-hmm. uh, support and also in the, you know, the common space in the city. But what about John DeLulio? Yeah. Yeah. John's uh, uh, still alive and kicking. He's a sociologist um, that, uh, you know, in the Ivy League, uh, very, very thoughtful, um, you know, Catholic guy. But it was John's uh, research that actually became the seedbed for a lot of the the faith-based stuff as it relates uh, both to Clinton and and Bush's um, administrations. I mean, he, in effect, kind of did the hard research. And his research, in a sense, uh, was saying this, if you go in and you are honest about, you know, this community, you know, this neighborhood, this city, and you begin to talk about the good things that are happening, and mm-hmm. of course everyone wants to talk about those good things that are happening, what is an, uh, you know, uncontestable fact is the role mm-hmm. of the faith community in that renewal. Um, and here's the evidence. Here's the sociological evidence. Right. Um, and he had very practical things like, you know, when a person is volunteering at a soup kitchen and if she believes that she is volunteering at that soup kitchen because God told her to volunteer at that soup kitchen, well, the likelihood is you're probably going to last a little bit longer mm. right, than the court-ordered volunteer uh, that gets sent <laughs> down there. So in a very practical way, John, you know, in effect, you know, I would say in the public discourse, um, if we're all sitting around a table, you know, got a couple chairs at the table for the faith-based community. Uh, and again, the beauty of John is it, it wasn't like he was trying to derive a particular part of the faith. So it was like the Christian faith versus the non-Christian you know, Christian faith or the Catholic versus the evangelical. It was rather just Let's let the evidence speak for itself. Um, and if you're serious and you're honest, then you've got to work with with the faith-based community. So John was a was a very significant contributor. Um, I, I would say, just you know, importantly, I mean, uh, the Jim Wallaces of Sojourners and and so many others had been doing it, you know, obviously for a lot of years and had been prophetic voices, but. It was it was John that gave the kind of scholarship and the research that you know gave us the data to support our conclusions. And again, that's it's almost to your point uh, in our last podcast about the fact that you know uh, people were involved um, organically in these expressions, mm-hmm. but at some point when you're going to submit for a grant uh, or you're going to you know you have to have 
an organization or you have to have you know some data you have to have some research that Absolutely. helps you uh, you know uh validate you know make a valid uh, argument for that for that support yeah and and then even if we look way back into the old part of the bible um <laughs> you know we get uh, uh a character like esther yeah. who's just a uh you know, not only a nation changer, but but uh, really, when you talk about leadership, you know, incredible uh, takeaways. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a fascinating uh, book um, for a whole host of reasons. But but one of the principal reasons, uh, and this again gave LF a kind of license, um, is it's it's the one book in the Bible where God's name is never mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I've again asked, you know, people in classes I teach. You know, as the canon is being created for, you know, the Bible, the, mm-hmm. the 69 books, um, wouldn't you think that one of the criteria to get <laughs> into the canon would be that you got to, like, you know, use the G-O-D word? Yeah. Um, At least somebody would raise their hand. Yeah. And be like, hey, uh, anybody ever notice? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, again, the fact that, that, you know, a book like that made it into the, to the you know, the canon of the mm-hmm. scripture, I think gives a kind of again permission to say are there situations you know are there contexts are there realities where in fact the smartest thing to do uh, is not to mention uh, the name of God so I again can imagine all kinds of scenarios like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but one of the important parts of that Rick I think just in terms of um, particularly people who are raised in a tradition where your faith uh, is as good as you preach. Um, and, and they do that authentically. I mean, there's no, you know, yeah. it's like that's what you do. It's the Great Commission. How do you get out of that, right? It's it's a cul-de-sac um, where it's like, I, I you know, I think I want to get into that, you know, space, uh, but they won't allow me to preach. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to be in that space uh, and still be authentically a faith-based person, but without the burden, uh, the necessity of having to somehow, you know, at yeah. an inappropriate time, you know, well, say something about I mean, Jesus. Part of that idea of, you know, be ready to defend your faith has uh, been interpreted as a, you know, verbal defense, mm-hmm. you know. And, and what's so interesting to me about Esther, and I, of course I wasn't there when the canon was uh, rolled out, you know, at the, at the <laughs> council, but but I do think that, uh, you know, that the, the name of God was never penned but that book is God is everywhere yeah. in that book. That's what I think is so great about it. Yeah. You know, like you said, it's it was there was no, uh, you know, uh, nobody uh, put put the uh, Yahweh flag, you know, on the pole. But it's God at work. Yeah. You know, in in a major way, significant way. So that's what's so great. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it, it gives rise then to you know just a whole number of things that I think you and I have talked about. I, I one of my again favorite authors is, is Cervantes who has this great line where you know he uh, he says um, you know he or she who lives well preaches well mm-hmm. and that's all the divinity I can understand um, <laughs> and I, I think more often than not I mean that's that's absolutely and utterly true um, and so you know working again in this public square um, it's like you know, and again, another quote that we've reached for is the one famously attributed to to Francis. But it's like you know, preach the gospel all the time, but every once in a while use words. Right. Um, so that's that's the spirit of it, and you know, it has been um, 
a hugely satisfying reality to now know that we've got a number of women and men who are in a wonderful way um, protecting the integrity of these monies, of these programs in Washington, D.C., but we have a um, good friendship with Mm -hmm. because there's just an understanding uh, that we're all after the same thing. We want kids, for example, to be mentored by adults uh, that love them and care for them. Um, and so we've, uh, we've learned how to, you know, mutually bless one another moving forward. Well, and I think, you know, if, if you think about, um, uh, the idea that a witness, you know, that, that phrase, you know, Hey, we're, are we going to be a witness or are people going to be able to identify, mm-hmm. uh, you know, faith-based folks as, you know, uh, reflecting who God is just being trustworthy, just saying like, look, we gave you these resources and you delivered on them. Yep. It, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's witnessing, yep. you know, and I think that's, uh, sometimes we, we miss that because we think, well, um, we have to, uh, in order to witness, we, there has to be some uh, printed brochure involved, yep. you know, instead of, you know, yeah. just the activity. Yeah. Uh, now when, uh, we, we think about, um, LF and the whole network, I talk about the larger urban renewal space. Yeah. I mean, um, so a couple comments. One is that I oftentimes talk about um, in leadership foundations that uh, the end game for us uh, is not to grow the LF organization. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we've got some, you know, strategies and ideas out there that are vibrant and real and worthy of investment. Um, but that that's a that's a secondary idea to the the end game and the end game is this what i call spiritual and social renewal space um, getting women and men uh, organizations uh, regardless of you know uh, religious tradition or faith orientation uh, to begin to take their city seriously and love her uh, into greatness so if we're going to do that, then, you know, we need uh, to see women and men uh, from, you know, business, uh, from education, um, from the body politic. Um, I mean, on and on and on, all doing that. Um, and, and that's what I think is ultimately going to renewal cities around the world uh, when we have uh, people there. And oh, by the way. Some of them are affiliated with the leadership foundations. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, some of them are, you know, a religious order within the Orthodox Church. But we all can look at that end game space and go, you know, that's that's what we're after. And the cor- corollary to that, Rick, is that I think this end space or end game uh, gets damaged. And, and Elif has been guilty of this when. Uh, we think about this in light of, does this benefit my organization, Mm -hmm. period, end of story. So again, that's always the tension. Yeah. So, Well, I think uh, who exists for the purpose of whom is is always an interesting question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you think inside a church, does the church itself as a, you know, as a, you know, an organized, it's sort of like people say organized religion, do people exist to bring life to that or does that exist to bring life to people mm-hmm. and I think the same thing is true when we ask mm-hmm. ourselves like what about um, religion and the common square I mean who who exists to the benefit of who exactly yeah so I mean that's what you're 
you know, you're speaking to. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, if again, all these different institutions, um, because in the same way that the, you know, religious reality has wrecked some things, so is business, mm-hmm. right? So is education. And so the question that we're trying to raise up is exactly the one that you uh, raised for every institution that is participating in the city is, you know, yeah, do you exist for yourself or do you exist for this common square that can benefit uh, all of us? Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, just let me digress for a minute. And I've said this before to you, but, you know, I love Thomas Aquinas's, uh, you know, essentially definition of evil. Um, and for him, it was when, you know, the means and the ends um, are misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an institution uh, in a city, uh, no matter how bureaucratic or benevolent it behaves, uh, becomes, um, you know, a at least a less helpful, if not evil, reality when it exists for itself over and against that which it has been called to serve. Um, and I, I would want, you know, to be able to ask that question of everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, do you're here in Tacoma or you're here in, you know, New York or you're here. Do you exist to help this city flourish? Mm-hmm. If you don't, um, no matter how much money you have in your bank account, no matter how cool your programming is, you've actually become a part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. And so, again, that's that that's that end game that. And I'm I'm delighted, Rick. By the way, to just say that, you know, at the end of these, you know, ten years so far, having replaced, um, uh, you know, Reed, I am more hopeful than less hopeful because of just the amount of people I've now had a chance to meet uh, that are part of different organizations than LF. But that's the way they see their institution. Um, it's in order to serve the city, yeah. uh, not to be served by the city. Well, and I mean. The- to sort of conclude, uh, this is just from me. I didn't uh, introduce this, uh, you know, in our notes. But the the idea that Ray uh, Baki, you know, put forward in in his uh, the title of his book, you know, a, a theology as big as a city, mm-hmm. um, is really what you're talking about. Because it, you know, if it was a a polity as big as a city, or a, a bank account <laughs> as big as a city, right. you know, or right. even a sewer system as big as a city. It doesn't keep us on track, you right. know, and, and we can begin to, to get confused on who's serving who. But when you stay with a theology as big as a city, that oh, that's a corrective, you know, yep. way to approach it and say, okay. Um, because, I mean, really there was no greater, uh, you know, citizen uh, of this earth than Jesus and yep. gave himself in complete service yep. to the that's rest exactly of us. Right. So, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and, and that's, um, that, that's who we're looking toward. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the one last little thing I'd say, Rick, which would be important about this public sector event is we're now, you know, uh, in the year 2018, uh, right now as we speak in the process of putting together a $4 million um, proposal together to, you know, mentor kids. Um, and, you know, we'll find out in September of this year. I hope it'll be successful. I also look back over our shoulder now and see the uh, amount of work that local leadership foundations have done with lo- local municipalities and, you know, um, cities and counties. Um, so it's all been good on that side. But equally, uh, important is the way that you know interfacing with these entities that are not faith-based you know institutions mm-hmm. 
uh, how they've how they've helped us um, sit up a bit straighter. Um, right. I mean, I've I've told many back in Washington D.C. that um, one of the net benefits of working with you all, because of your high bar uh, in terms of execution and operations, is that we had to grow up. Um, I mean, you can't grab a hold of that grant if you don't have a good accounting system, right? right? You can't um, actually give that report if you don't have evaluation that actually has data attached to it. So it's been a, it's been a mutually beneficial uh, relationship yeah. that's been quite, quite good. Well, I mean, I think the, you know, the, again, ability to sit down and remember, you know, and have a, like a 40 year sort of pause Mm -hmm. it, it does it is a, a you know degenerates gratitude but at the same time hope like mm -hmm. you said and it, it's exciting to see what's what's possible yep absolutely all right so until next time anytime you want to uh, send us some some input info at leadershipfoundations.org and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, making your commute to work uh, uh, exciting in your future great thanks Rick okay